Welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 18. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. Today's episode is a discussion that I recently had with my co-hosts, James Sumners and Sam Dominguez. This discussion revolves around Romans 14 and how we should apply that passage today. In other words, how can we have unity in spite of our differences? The Crosstalk Podcast is not a sermon, a Bible class, or even a formal Bible study. It's simply a spiritual conversation among friends that we hope will inspire you to have similar conversations with people in your life. And now let's jump right into that discussion. What are disputable matters? What are what are things that um, you know we can legitimately apply the Romans fourteen principles to? Like the weaker brother, stronger brother mm-hmm. thing. One one of the things that always frustrates me about that is people picking which one they are. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm the weaker brother. Well, no, that doesn't even. People don't say that. They say, "Well, I'm going to be the stronger brother." It's like, no, just be a brother. Don't worry about being stronger or weaker. Don't think about which one you are. Just, I mean, just be a brother. Because we want to think, well, I'm the big brother. It's like, no, it's it, it, in don't both. Build yourself up. In both like situations, that. though, it's 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 a, a a title without really any empowerment because all it means is by being defined as this that that defines what you have to do next mm-hmm. you know okay if, if in this situation you're the stronger brother that means you need to submit and if in this situation you're the weaker brother that means you need to grow and mm-hmm. and so what what we want is to be defined as the one and say and that's where i get to stay well mm-hmm. no all that really means is you get to now change you get to be better than that and i think that we we have a tendency to to apply it to doctrinal matters more than it probably should be. Um, when I was asked about this today, I I responded by drawing an analogy or, or I guess a, a hypothetical situation about, um, let's say, for instance, that someone was Amish, because there probably won't be any Amish people listening to our podcast, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> so... I'm just saying. Um, anyway, never mind. Yeah, uh, but let, let's say let's say that there's somebody that's Amish and um, they come out of the Amish faith and they become a New Testament Christian. And but because of their background, they still see things like watching television as being wrong, and they believe that that television is of the devil and that if you watch TV, then you're sinning. And they they thoroughly absolutely believe that, that 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 there's no good that come from can come from television and so they thoroughly believe that um i think that would be a similar type of a situation because you're dealing with um individual practices you're dealing with cultural cultural things coming out of one culture and into the christian faith and 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 how do you how do you adapt how do you live and so if if a person came came to the faith um from a situation like that well then they would be, by definition, the weaker brother. You know, they would they would be um, offended by something that I think that we would agree that there's nothing inherently sinful with the television set. Certainly, it could be wrong and it could be right, uh, but there's nothing inherently wrong with it. And but but for them to watch it would be to violate their conscience, and so they shouldn't. And they should be told that they should be told, no, don't don't. If it if it violates your conscience, then don't do it until you can do it by faith. Because if you can't do it by faith, then it is sin. And then on the other side of the the coin, we would be in that in that case. And that and that's why I think it's dangerous to say I'm the weaker brother, I'm the stronger brother. I mean, it, it changes. It just depends. You know, it, if you see something for what it is, if you see that that meat sacrificed to an idol or meat in and of itself is not necessarily wrong 
wrong or right, and you understand those things, you you have knowledge, then the knowledge makes you the stronger brother. But the question is, are you going to act like it? And so acting like the stronger brother depends on whether or not you're willing, like you said, Sam, whether or not you're willing to submit and say, you know what, I'm not going to pressure you to watch television. In fact, we'll do everything that we can uh, to not offend you. And so if there was a, a series we were going to watch in a Bible study that was on, on a TV, maybe we won't do that this quarter or whatever. We're, we're going to study with you. We're going to be patient with you and work with you and that kind of thing. Um, I think that would be something along those lines would be a lot more similar to what was going on in Rome with Jews and Gentiles, because that's what the whole book of Romans is about. Um, that, that that would be a lot more similar culturally uh, than than some of the doctrinal things that we try to apply it to. I, I think it absolutely makes more sense that it's not speaking directly to doctrinal matters because if if it were a doctrinal matter, it would it would define the weaker brother as someone who is mistaken, uh, and not not just in a matter of opinion, but mm-hmm. they they would be. Uh, they wouldn't be successfully obedient, uh, whether by overtasking themselves or undertasking themselves. But it, we have examples of both situations in the New Testament, whether it be the Pharisees and their attitude of overtasking people and, and other people wanting to get away with sin uh, because of their freedom in Christ. And so it would seem like if we tried to apply that to doctrinal matters, there would then be the requirement to grow the weaker brother out of that condition to go in and say well well now i i need you to start learning that this is okay i need you to start uh feeling differently about this and it it doesn't strike me as that would be a beneficial thing uh to most people you know Mm -hmm. would would it be necessary in your particular example to go in there and say well well but now i need you to become comfortable with a tv Mm -hmm. well no not really right and certainly not for just consumption of of media Mm -hmm. but you know, it, it, would it be uh, if they're offended by the fact that you know we use TVs to to put on slideshows in a, in a Bible class or something like that? Okay, you might need to address that, but it it putting it in doctrinal terms seems like it would then prompt us to have to try and drag that person out of their comfort zone, and mm-hmm. that that doesn't strike me as being uh, necessary or appropriate. And, and when you look at that, he, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't give, when, when Paul doesn't insist that the, the, the weaker brother ever get comfortable necessarily with those things. I mean, you, you think about what it would be like to come out of a culture. It's very, it's very difficult for us to make any real direct application of this if we grew up in the church, you know, I mean, so it's really difficult. Um, but to come out of a culture where you honestly, sincerely believe that and and for the Jews coming into a mostly Gentile church or vice versa, I mean, it, it would be the Jew, for the Jew. I mean, these were things that they were taught from Scripture that you had to wear this type of clothing and that you could not eat this type of meat or that you couldn't do this. And and then to be told, oh no, that doesn't matter anymore. Those those rules and laws have been nailed to the cross, and and we Jesus has fulfilled all that, and now you can do that. It's like. Okay, but I can't. I mean, really, I can't. You know, and so it, it would take a, a long time for for your culture and your mindset to to change. And and I and I never get the feeling that Paul insists that they ever change. It was never wrong for them to continue to wear Jewish clothing. It was never wrong for them to continue to eat kosher food and not eat pork. There was absolutely no reason that a Christian Jew should be forced to sit down and eat triple bacon cheeseburger, you know, or whatever the case may be. 
Well, I mean, the only thing that Paul really does discuss is the the issues, and, and not just Paul, the, the issues of, of then attempting to enforce those things upon other people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the element that wanted the Gentile Christians to first uh, observe Jewish law, you know, you got to be a good Jew before you can become a good Jewish Christian. And, and that was inappropriate, mm-hmm. and that was, was something that wasn't uh, uh, tolerated, or it was, it was dealt with very swiftly, and they were educated that, no, this, this isn't a necessity. You can't bind these people with these things, but you don't get any indication that they then went to those people and, and said, well, but you also then have to you know, live like a Gentile Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul seems to have very clearly delineated the difference between uh, still holding to some of your your traditions and recognizing that you're not saved by the law. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he didn't want them to still have a mindset of the law matters, the law is important, and we still need to observe all these things because it is of the law. Uh, he, he spoke directly against that. They needed to understand where their salvation came from, but at the same time, he, he didn't say, well, and you just have to abandon your Jewishness. Mm-hmm. Uh, while at the same time, some of the apostles were criticized for that very thing. They, they were accused of abandoning mm-hmm. uh, you know, their Jewishness, their heritage, and whatnot. So it seems like there, there were at least cases where some Jewish Christians took that freedom to, to abandon those things, mm-hmm. to drop those things. So it's, it's, uh, it's not the type of thing where you can just come in and, and, and drop a super simple answer in mm-hmm. every situation. It, it's just one that has to be approached through brotherly love and try and make people recognize where are the distinctions that we're, we're making between where you're putting your trust. I think a lot of the whole point behind what the, the intent of what Paul is saying here is about unity. Mm-hmm. It's not about me being right. Because so many times when we think about stronger brother, weaker brother, we're thinking about, well, I'm right, and so I need to convince you mm-hmm. I'm right and you're wrong. The the idea here is, um, yeah, I think in verse 19 it says, so then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of each other. Again, we're that's that's the goal of the church. If, if it wasn't for that specific thing, the unity of, of, of being built up together in peace and love and all of the teachings of Christ, what, what, why would there be a church? We wouldn't need those things if we didn't need the, the unity that comes from being a body. And since we are the body of Christ, we need to unify ourselves together, not not in our thinking and in, in thinking with him, but but that we should build peace amongst each other and, and build each other up. And that's I think that's the whole of what he's really trying to teach them here is that you need to be uh, pursuing this uh, unity. I think there's there's a, a good lesson for parties who who would find themselves on on either side of of a situation like this where something is giving offense or or offense is being taken by something uh you know looking back into when the problem of of attempting to to force gentile christians into uh, jewish practices arose that really could have been a situation that uh crippled the growth of the early church because it could have been the type of thing that reinforced all of the negative mindsets that existed in so many people of, well, we can all be one in Christ, but I'm going to be one Jew in Christ, and you're going to be one Gentile in Christ, or whatever you are, you know. Um, and we, we, they could have 
really got the, the, the kingdom off on the wrong foot by having these tremendous divisions down racial lines, down, down these cultural lines. And that wasn't going to be tolerated. You know, it, it had to be more more than just a superficial unity. Mm-hmm. You know, it couldn't be that, oh, yeah, Gentiles can be Christians, and the Gentile congregation is down the road, right. and the Jewish Christian you know, congregation is here. That wasn't going to be tolerated. That wasn't correct, and, and Paul didn't stand for that. Uh, Peter didn't stand for that when, when he you know, got his mind right about it. Uh, from, from the get-go, Peter, you know, didn't, didn't tolerate that kind of thing. And I think we now could really learn from that because we have a tendency to look at situations like this and kind of come to that result of, oh, well, yeah, and, and you should just go worship at this congregation. And and we end up with congregations of the Lord's Church that are mono-ethnic, and we end up where, where they're, uh, I don't know of another good word to describe it, but, you know, it's like, well, no Bible class and know this and know that, you know, and we, we basically just establish a different congregation that falls into whatever weak or strong position we happen to have about that particular thing, rather than recognizing, no, it is worth it to get to the bottom of this situation and recognize, okay, you may not still, going back to your example, want to have a TV in your home, mm-hmm. But you do need to, you know, go ahead and worship here. We need to worship together, even if there's a TV for a slideshow or something like that. And we can work beyond that. Uh, but if you become a teacher, you don't necessarily have to use the thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, we we can't we can't use it as an excuse to create a different congregation that that subscribes to the same mindset. It's really a a very uh, rugged was the word that came to my mind. A rugged unity, a unity that 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 isn't smoothed out, you know, and and it's 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 not enough to have a unity that's merely theoretical that just says, well, sure, I'm I'm unified with the people across town. I don't know them. I've never really seen them before. We don't do anything with them, but they're a congregation of the Lord's Church, and yeah, I mean, theoretically, we're we're at one with each other. You know, we're, we don't meet together because they have a different culture than I have, um, but. But yeah, I mean, theoretically, we are. That that's not that's not Christianity. Christianity is that people from different cultures, different ages, different uh, all all different ethnicities, whatever the case may be, come together, and and it's not that suddenly over time we all become the same in the way we dress or the way that we whatever you know even our customs in our own homes and the traditions that we have. It's not that everything is smoothed out so that we're the same. It's that what we have in Christ is bigger than all of that and it's more important than all of that and I'm not willing to I'm not willing for us to be divided simply because I don't see eye to eye with you on whether or not we should spank our kids or whether or not you should wear blue jeans or whether or not you should you know dye your hair purple or you know whatever I mean there's a million different cultural things that could divide us and do divide us and and so many people that if you don't see everything the way that I do if you don't parent the way that I do if you don't you know live like the way I do if you don't look the way I do if you're you know you don't whatever I'm just going to go across town and 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 theoretically be have unity with you. That's that's not Christianity. Well, and, and in the end, I mean, what is the what is the downside to not even considering this? I mean, if we if we're not really considering how we interact with each other, how we deal with our differences, that does two things. It, it can des- it can destroy the church, or it can destroy the unity of the church, which then the people outside, what does the Bible tell us about how they will know who we are? By our love. Well, love is requires unity. 
true love requires unity. And if we cannot work together through our differences and come to a unity, not a, not a maintenance of uh, a plurality of differences that we all accept as different, um, <laughs> we need to, to come to a point where, we're, where we seek that unity, we pursue that unity, and people see it in us. The, the world sees that in us so that, so that we don't take away from what they see that they see Christ in us. Because if, if, if we are divisive, if we are dividing ourselves because of our differences, the world sees that. And when the world sees that, that is not a glory to God. I, I think even our understanding, if we've narrowed down our understanding of this idea of, of weaker and stronger brother in this discussion, I think it could even be narrowed down further because when you when you really look at the one example that we have, it is it is a difference that came about in a completely natural way. There was the one group who never would have had any reason to ascribe greater meaning or purpose to this particular meat, and another group who had every reason to ascribe greater meaning to this, and they needed to come together and help each other and work together to maintain that unity of the faith because what they desired was not to teach each other what their perspective on it was necessarily, but was to come together under Christ. And I, I think a lot of times with with us, we're not coming to differences that are so natural, that are so just completely evident of, yeah, that makes perfect sense why you would think that way. What we're usually doing is we are dragging along behind us an important opinion in a bag, and we come throw it on the table in front of somebody and wait to see if anybody disagrees with it. You know, it's it's we're already approaching this thing from a non-submissive mindset mm-hmm. we're, we're we're not dragging with us just a preconceived notion that that it makes perfect sense why we arrived at it we're instead dragging with us that little pet thing that little pet idea that's really important that we really want someone to agree with us or we want to offend or you know there, there's all kinds of other attitudes and behaviors that come into play and, that, and that's why these this idea this passage can be so misunderstood because not only are we first trying to apply it to doctrinal differences which you know the Bible already addresses, but now we're trying to apply it to just our little pet project ideas, our little pet opinions that we just love to keep with us, and we keep it on our lap and we stroke it, and it's oh yes, this is my opinion, you know. And instead, it's really about people who are wildly different people coming together and recognizing that yeah, we will see things wildly different because of who we are, and then coming to a, a unified understanding of why that is, and, and and rather than looking down on that other brother. And mocking that other brother, that's kind of the implication right. of it, uh, is rather than to say, you know what, I do understand why, why that would seem strange to you and why that would seem offensive to you. So let's, let's make sure we can work through this because that makes sense. You know, and instead of it being a, ha here's my thing, I'm, I'm going to go find a, a weaker brother or I'm going to go find a stronger brother or whatever it ends up being. And isn't that funny? The ball is almost always in, in our court. But when we apply this, we always want to put it, we always want to put the burden on somebody else. We always want to say, see, I'm the weaker brother. You have to, you have to not offend me. Or we say, well, I'm the stronger brother. And, you know, and so, so it's just, it's frustrating that we don't look at this and say, 
regardless of what side of the issue you're on, your job is to bear with the other person. Your job is to submit and surrender and sacrifice. And so if you are a person who is offended by something that isn't necessarily wrong or right, you know, and so what, so back to the example, um, you know, if you come in and you're offended by televisions, but but you can look at scripture and you say, it doesn't say that. I can't in good conscience watch a television, but but there's nothing in scripture that says that. So I'm not going to judge my brothers. That's that's your obligation. Your obligation is not to condemn your brothers for what they have the freedom to do. And if your brethren are eating meat and you say, I don't think I can eat that meat, your job is to not judge them or condemn them because of because they have the freedom to eat that meat. You don't, that's your choice. That's fine, but do not judge them. Now, if you're on the other side of the coin, then you know somebody comes in and says, well, I'm offended by that. Okay, well, I, I, I gladly give up my rights. And that's what Paul said I'm willing to do. He said, whether it's a Jew, or it's a Gentile, whoever it is, I'm willing to give up and surrender my rights in order for us to have unity, or, or even those outside the body of Christ, in order to win them to Christ, I'm willing to live like a Gentile. I can't even imagine how difficult that would be for Paul to say, I'm willing to live like a Gentile in order to reach the Gentiles, the, those without the law. And so we, we so often don't want to do that. We want to say, oh no, I have the freedom to do this. So you know, either go your way or get over it. That's what you're supposed to do. And it's like, no, no, you have to bear with your weaker brother. And so regardless of what side of it is on, you have to be the one. You know, so often when we read, you know, don't judge or, you know, he, you know, uh, wow, Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest ye be judged. Everybody else in the whole world can quote that verse, but I can't. Um, (laughs) Judge not lest ye be judged. Uh, You know, we read those kind of things and we say, see, you can't judge me. And it's like, no, that's not what it says. It says you don't judge by your standard and your opinion. And it's, you have to take on that burden. It's not about you going around trying to make everybody else not judge you or not offend you. It's you go out of your way not to judge or to cause a stumbling block for somebody else. You know, one of the moments when uh, uh, one of our new uh, elders was uh, he was joining us as a deacon for a short period of time doing some mission stuff and uh, we were talking about just different problems and and something came up and he said well you know it's it's no wonder that there's problems because there's people and and my brain automatically said well no that's not right because we're the church and we can't have problems if you have problems then we're not doing things you know in my head because I've grown up um in a family of a deacon and elder um, um, who were sons of elders and, you know, parents who, who have a history in the church and their, their family has a history generation after generation. It, it's like in my brain, I, I can't imagine that we have these natural problems. I can't. I mean, I, it, it doesn't occur to me that we have these natural problems. But then when we look at uh, a culture where the where the gospel to a certain degree is kind of new to the culture, um, you have these problems. Of course, we, we have problems um, here too. But but some of the things that 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 come up, it just it, it reminded me how you know we're gonna have problems. Uh, it reminds me that we're gonna have problems. We're gonna have problems in, in agreement, uh, problems in, of opinion. It reminds me that, that there are gonna be times when something that seems natural to me is not gonna seem natural to someone else because I, I've been taught specific things throughout my life. And, and I can't judge people by what I know or what I've been taught. I can't really judge them even by what they've been. I, all I can do is, is, 
is continue to work with them as a brother and sister in Christ and work together to come to a common unified understanding of how we should live. Um, and, you know, you come to, there are times when we, we end up dealing with people who um, might make us uncomfortable from time to time there are uh, who, who's culture as they come into the church make, I mean, or even outside the church make us feel uncomfortable. And we're not often willing to accept the fact that, that, that we're uncomfortable with, with things. And then we've tried to figure out, well, how do you deal with this person as a Christian now that they make you uncomfortable? And we, we don't, it's like, let's just accept people as who they are, bring them in and teach them, teach them the right way and help them teach us the right way as well. Help us all work together to learn how to live as godly people who serve God and, and don't judge each other by external opinions, actions, um, and things that, that really aren't specific to, uh, our walk with Christ. You know, I, I think we 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 also kind of cloud the issue because our our standard go-to explanation for why people are different is well, it's cultural. You know, it's a cultural this and cultural that. But, you know, we we've slapped that word about 15 times around here. And the truth of the matter is we we can sit here from the exact same culture, the exact same upbringing and still have difficulties of understanding and come to different conclusions on things. And so, you know, the, the world always tries to group us into large swaths by, by ethnicity and by culture and by these other types of things, and, and simultaneously attempts to, to make everything a wide-form blame. Any difficulty I have with someone has to be because of these big, huge reasons, or any difficulty they have with me. Now, rather than recognizing that we can come together, you and I, I could come together with one of my physical brothers and have differences and have struggles and have things that we need to find the unity of Christ about, even though we were literally raised exactly the same, but we're just different people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and part, part of the mindset that we have to get through our heads is to stop thinking about people as a people and just start thinking about them as who they are, that individual, and have a relationship with that individual, because it's so much easier to apply scriptures about judgment and scriptures about weaker brothers and stronger brothers and all manner of different things if I can kind of, you know, just view the entire congregation as just a mass of people or a culture or an ethnicity or whatever it ends up being, instead of saying, that's my brother Wes. That's my brother James. That's my brother Cameron. Every single one of them is different. I have different responsibilities to each one of them to be able to come together and worship Christ. And we're not going to see eye to eye on a tremendous number of things, and yet we work together for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. You know, but that requires those relationships. You know, there's so many of these things we talk about require coming back and having relationships with people. And in the end, most of these problems are because that's what we're desperately trying to avoid. And it's so much it's so much easier to give people the benefit of the doubt and to bear with one another in love when you know them. You know, I mean when you when you have a relationship with somebody, when it's a real person to you, when it's somebody you've eaten in their home, you've seen them face to face, you've you've worked beside them, it's like, yeah, we don't see everything eye to eye. I mean, I, I think of several people, as I was saying that, you know, faces popped into my head right here at Baker Heights and and people that we would vehemently disagree on some, um, you know, outside of 
you know, outside of the worship assembly, outside of doctrine, outside of all those things. I mean, just life, you know, and uh, how we should treat animals or how we should, you know, drive a car, or, you know, whether or not we should use fuel efficient, da 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 you know, or how we should vote or what, you know. I mean, so there are all matter of things that we would vehemently disagree about, but it's like, but I wouldn't let anything in the world come between me and them because that's my brother, that's my sister, that's my family. And so, and like you said, I mean, I have three sisters and there are all kinds of things that we disagree about, but it's like, but don't you dare come between us. I mean, we could disagree about them. I'm not going to go out of my way to offend them, but they know where I stand and I know where they stand, but we're family and there's nothing going to come between us. But when, when you don't know somebody, when you're just talking about people that believe X or people that see things Y or, you know, you're just talking about things, people as a demographic rather than as individuals. Well, it's very easy to just write them off, like you said, but when you know them face to face, then you can't deal with them that way. But so often we don't, even within a congregation, we don't. Well, that's that's why we always want our submission to be conditional on the other person. Mm-hmm. Well, if they treat me right, then I'll treat them I'll, them right and, and so on and so forth. And of course, the scripture doesn't doesn't make any bones about the fact. No, it is your responsibility to submit regardless. But we don't want to trust people. And we don't want to have the type of relationship that would make that a comfortable thing. You know, it, it, it honestly should be the type of thing where submitting to someone else is not difficult. And if we have the relationships we're supposed to be, which is a part of that unity of love, then yeah, it's not that difficult to do these things. Just like it's not that difficult for me to anyone that I love dearly in my life. The problem really stems from the fact that this person I'm having an issue with, this person that bugs me or whatever, is because I don't love that person. I don't have that right relationship. And maybe the answer to our disagreement is to stop thinking about the disagreement for a few minutes and get down to having that type of relationship. uh, We like the idea of like the reverse golden rule or do to others as they have done to me. And, and, and we live that way many times, you know, it's with our children, we have to teach our children. It's like, no, just because they did this to you doesn't mean you do it back to them. You treat them the way you want to be treated. If you want to teach them how to behave, you help them by actually doing the thing you want them to do to you. But, and that's not really the point of doing that, but that's beside the point. Um, but the other thing that I was thinking about is just, uh, how we think about people is maybe, we need to remember even the people that we don't know that is someone for who Christ died. That's right. He died for me. He died for you. He died for everybody on the face of the planet. And I need to treat them all with the same love that Christ had for them and for me. A big thanks to my co-host and to Cameron McElgay, who helps make this show possible. If you enjoyed the Crosstalk podcast, please consider sharing it with others and leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. As always, we want you to know that we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.